0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Social Media Entrepreneurs Podcast, Teach you how to become a full-time entrepreneur by leveraging modern-day social media strategies. I'm your host, Derek Vidal, and today I'm joined by Hala Taha for the second time. It's actually been about two years since the last time she's come on, and... I've kept up with her journey and she has come a long way. So we're going to catch up on everything she's been doing since then. Talk about LinkedIn a lot today as well, because that is her uh, main platform that she's really stuck out on and uh, what her company helps other people with the most. So going to get all the secrets about LinkedIn. If you even need to be on there, we're going to answer that too. So uh yeah, Hala, before we get into the LinkedIn stuff, give me uh, just a, a snapshot of your life from the last two years since the last time we talked to you?
1: Wow, I can't believe that I haven't been on the show for two years. It feels like just yesterday. No wonder you were asking me, like, what are your downloads like? Because it's like changed so much. Um, So in the last two years, I have launched Yap Media, which is a social media agency. I probably had it last time I came on. That's really grown. I'm managing most of the LinkedIn influencers. We're an award-winning social media agency. Uh, the other new thing is I launched a podcast network. So I represent about 12 out of the 20 top business shows and self-improvement shows. And I help grow and monetize those shows. It's really what I'm focused on business-wise, aside from my own podcast. Uh, agency work is really not a thankful business. And it's it's really talent-heavy, really cost heavy. And the network for me is really a scalable opportunity. So I'm really bullish on it and really excited about my network. Uh, My podcast, I've fully monetized it, which is probably something new over the last two years. I really only figured out monetization maybe a year and a half ago, uh, like concretely. And yeah, I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I launched a masterclass for LinkedIn and I'm soon to be launching a podcast course. So I launched a new part of my business called Yap Academy, which is essentially the educational arm of my business.
0: Last time you were the podcast princess or the LinkedIn Podcasting Princess. Did you say that you're queen now?
1: <laughs> so I'm the podcast princess and now and I'm the LinkedIn queen. But the podcast okay. princess was a name given to me by Podcast Magazine when I got on the cover. The LinkedIn queen I've given myself to be transparent.
0: (laughs) Okay, got it. Podcasting princess has a nice ring to it. So I I can (laughs) see why it's not podcast queen. Uh, But uh, all right. So the, the podcast network, what does that actually mean? Does that mean that you have a podcast agency where you are editing people's shows and putting the intro and outro music, writing the description, doing stuff like that? Or is it bigger than that?
1: Totally bigger than that. So production piece I've been doing for many years. The podcast network is new. And essentially what I do is I help other podcasts get sponsorships. So I'm doing things like getting them mid-roll host-read ads, uh, setting up their programmatic ads, getting them social media sponsorships, branded podcast sponsorships. And I basically help podcasters monetize their shows. And Derek, we should definitely talk. Uh, I feel like I can help you uh, monetize some of your shows because a lot of my shows are, are pretty similar
0: to yours. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, we, we were talking about some hacks before the show, too, that we can't even have on here. But that's why you got to get in networks like this, because there's always some things uh, that you really got to be part of these uh, networks or these masterminds to to really leverage um, the these bigger connections. And Hall has done a really great job at having some famous celebrities on her show. Matthew McConaughey had just come on her show the last time. And uh, I saw you had Alex on, Grant Cardone, a lot of big names. What are you doing to uh, get some of these people on your show uh, apart from just simply asking them to be on your show?
1: So I think a big part of it, honestly, is... I've grown my show significantly where I have the social proof and um, basically they see their friends going on the show and it's like a no brainer. They go to my podcast, they see their friends on it. And I think, you know, of course, I'm going to go on the show. I'm also ranking really high on Apple. Unfortunately, even though I was a number one podcaster across all apps previously, really like people who aren't familiar with podcasts are really looking at Apple. So you've got to make sure that you're ranking on Apple, focusing on growing your Apple so that you can get that sort of uh, clout because it's really really important. I also really go hard on getting reviews for my podcast. So I have over like almost I would say like almost 3000 reviews, written reviews for my podcasts. and my team really like goes one-on-one hand combat in the DMs trying to get people who tell me they love my podcast to actually co-write a review on Apple to increase my social proof because there's only a few different indicators of ha- a podcast having a following. The reviews help with social proof for people actually listening to the show, but also for guests to feel like confident uh, to come on my show and they'll have a good experience.
0: Uh, And you said your team is uh, in the DMs getting these reviews for you. Is this on LinkedIn or or Instagram, both?
1: It's both. So basically as protocol, uh, what we do, we do a few different tactics. So this is anybody can use this no matter if you're a podcaster or not. Um, We basically put micro content on LinkedIn and Instagram, there'll be like short clips of of the videos. We also do uh, live stream replays of all of our full episodes, both on LinkedIn and now Instagram. And uh, essentially what we do is anybody who likes and comments on either those micro content videos for the podcast or the live stream replays, we then DM them. A link to listen to the full episode. Most people are either listening to a short clip because it's a micro content piece or 10 to 15 minutes of the live stream. Hey, I noticed you, you know, checked out our live stream or notice you uh, engaged on our micro content post. I would love to give you the link to the full episode. If you guys, if you want to subscribe, here's the link. Uh, we've interviewed X, Y, and Z. We talk about X, Y, and Z and basically get them to convert from social media listener to podcast listener, which is like the first point of friction. And then we ask them, let me know how you liked it right? So we ask them a question to get them to respond, to give us their feedback. A lot of people respond back. Oh my God, I listened. I never listened to a podcast before. I'm so happy I subscribed. I thought this was so insightful. And then we say, Hey, can you copy and paste this as an Apple podcast review? Or do you mind taking a few minutes? Here's our rate this podcast link. I'd love for you to drop us a review. So you can basically do this no matter what business you have provide some sort of educational piece of content that's going to be engaging anybody who likes and comments they're basically saying hey you have permission to engage me you can dm them uh any sort of free value and then follow up with uh asking for feedback and then follow up again with what you really want which for me is the the review right so uh yeah that's that's how i do it in a nutshell
0: so it's kind of compounded on itself once you got some big names on it became easier to get other big names on get more reviews that that begots more reviews more Uh, People coming on the show. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be on your show now with the kind of downloads you're seeing and uh, the ranking that you have?
1: Yeah, it's consistency and hard work, honestly, Derek. So it's like, you know, I, I grew to, I'm one of the top female podcasters. I also target a slightly different demographic than everyone else. I'm a female host. So they probably want to support me for that. I'm a minority. There's probably a lot of reasons why, you know, for some reason, people say yes. And what's, Uh, even cooler now is like Tony Robbins asked to come on my show. Grant Cardone asked to come on my show. So now these huge celebrities that I used to have to like email 11 times, hit them up on LinkedIn, hit them up on Instagram, you know, find their PR agent. Now these people are coming to me and it's just consistency and hard work. Like I've established myself as a top podcaster at this point.
0: It's consistency and hard work, but I will say your execution is really great. And I remember our interview from last time, you came out with your first podcast episode and then someone reached out to you from that, that then became uh, one of the main uh, people in your business. I don't know if they're still working for you. Uh, Yes, they are. And uh, I was like, that does not happen, Hala, just so you know, (laughs) 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 that uh, you come out with one episode and then your perfect assistant reaches out to you.
1: Yeah, I mean... To your point, I think that my whole journey was fairly unusual for a podcaster, but I think it also because I'm sort of a fairly unusual person. And so I feel like I put out this podcast five years ago, Derek's alluding to the fact that I had 20 volunteers when I was working full-time in corporate at HP and Disney streaming services. At one point I had 20 volunteers. They were all fans from the show that reached out to me on LinkedIn, essentially, who wanted to learn from me, I put them on a Slack channel, and I essentially had 20 people working for free for me for two years. And then I converted that team into my agency, what is what is now Yap Media. And a lot of those people are my business partners, they have equity, they're team leaders, um, and they help me run this business. And it's really been an incredible journey, but I think that, to your point, it's it's a little bit unusual, and I had a bit of a head start. I mean, a lot of people started in this industry two years ago, and I started five years ago. Now, I didn't get a head start like Lewis Hauser, or Jordan Harbinger, who started 12 years ago. That's why they're killing it so bad, because they had such a head start, but I also entered slightly earlier than everybody else.
0: Yeah, getting a start any more than three or four years ago in the podcasting space would give you a significant Advantage than starting right now. Absolutely. Uh, How much of your team do you work with face to face? Uh, How much of your team is just in the United States and how much is outside of it?
1: Yeah. So I have about 50 ish people on my team now. I have about 15 people in the Philippines. My whole creative team is in the Philippines. I have my ad ops uh, for my network in India. I have about five people in India and then everybody else is in the US uh, spread out all over. We are a remote company. We've been a remote company since. It was just a volunteer group on Slack. And so our office is literally Slack. I have a few team members that live in the New York area. Uh, My executive team, we fly out all the time to see each other and collaborate. Uh, But primarily, it's all remote um, and all over. So no matter where you live, you could potentially work at Yap Media. Uh, We're very flexible in terms of our work.
0: So if I asked you, what does an average day in the life of Halataha look like? Is that even an answerable question or is it changing all the time? Are you are you working from home a lot? Are you spending a lot of time alone? How much are you uh, on calls and, and what does it really look like?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So really, I batch out my week. Um, so two days a week are content days. So today, for example, since we're on this podcast was a content day. So all day, I, I interviewed Stephen Kotler for the third time. He's like the godfather of flow. All day from when I woke up, I was studying for my interview. My interviews are usually at 12 or 1, and I do my young and profiting interview. And then I i did a LinkedIn Live, and I promoted my masterclass, gave a free teaser, which we'll talk about in a bit in terms of my LinkedIn masterclass. I did that on LinkedIn Live and IG Live. And now I'm talking to you. That's literally all I did today. study for my interview, had my interview, and then guest appearances. And I canceled one of my guest appearances because I just felt overwhelmed. <laughs> I didn't cancel on you, Derek. <laughs> And so, nice. uh, so that's what I did today. And then my day on Thursday is very similar. It's like my interview that I'm studying all day for my interview. I used to study 10, 20 hours a week. Now I have a research team and I really just have four or five hours to study for every interview, no matter it's, it's, it's honestly crazy. I think about like the fact that like I had Grant Cardone on and Alex from and Tony Robbins coming on. I don't have time anymore to study more than five hours. So it's like, I have to be the best I can be and give it all my focus. And I just have five hours basically to study for these guests because I've got so much, else going on. And sometimes I, I I look back at like young Hala and how much she studied for like her first guests. And I'm like, Jesus, like if she knew now that like you were going to have Tony Robbins on and have five hours to study for him, like what would she think about that? So I always try to figure out like how I can make sure I still have the best interviews possible. And so my team does a lot of the grunt work in terms of the research. And then I really just like finalize everything, try to absorb as much as I can. Um, and so Tuesdays and Thursdays are content days. Uh, and the other days I'm, I'm CEO. So I'm really focused on my podcast network. I'm taking sponsorship calls with different brands. I'm taking agency calls with all the different DSPs and, and podcast ad agencies, trying to book deals for my entire network. I represent not just my show, but 20 other shows. Um, I'm taking client discovery calls for my social media agency. I'm still the primary seller of everything. Uh, almost everything that we sell at Yap Media starts with me. Um, and then it kind of gets handed off to my team. And like answering emails, stuff like that. So three days out of the week, I'm CEO, just doing client calls and pitching and sales and proposals. And then two days a week, content hat on, uh, photo shoots, interviews, lives, all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. So no sleeping. You have a feeding tube in you at all times.
1: (laughs) No, you know what? Now, uh more than ever, I feel like I like enjoy life. So like I go out all the time. I have so many friends. I hang out with my boyfriend. I work out almost every day. So it's like I used to literally work until 1 a.m. every night. Now, like, like tonight, to be transparent, I have a ton of recording to I'm backed up. I'm going to be working till 1 a.m. recording and getting all my podcast stuff done. But I'm like going to St. Kitts on Friday and taking Friday and Monday off and going to St. Kitts for Valentine's Day with my boyfriend and living life, so to speak.
0: Nice. Yeah. All right. Sweet. That, that's good to hear. Uh, when, when you get uh, all, all the benefits from the business, then you got to cash in at some point and let it translate into your lifestyle. Uh, So let's uh, go over to LinkedIn. I am not the biggest on LinkedIn. Every once in a while, I'll interview someone who's got a LinkedIn following and I'll do a post about it on there. But uh, it's not a big part of my strategy. Uh, What is really the key to LinkedIn nowadays? Is it just posting and messaging like it's been before or like the the main two things or, or where has it evolved to?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I want to say that there's a huge opportunity on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, out of all social media platforms, still has organic reach and has a really great population that's hanging out on LinkedIn. The people that are on LinkedIn are rich, They have jobs they are used to getting sold to on LinkedIn. They're ready to buy. They're intelligent. They want to have conversations. They value community. They value self-improvement. Like there's a really good population of people on LinkedIn. And the opportunity is that the algorithm still promotes organic reach. And I can go over the algorithm in detail with you guys. And the second major thing is that only 5 to 6% of people on LinkedIn are actually content creators. So think about Instagram. Everybody who has an Instagram typically will upload pictures, be a part of the conversation, be a part of the competition. On LinkedIn, only 6% of the people who are on there consuming content actually post original content. So there's so much room to be like the number one in your niche. So I became the number one podcaster on LinkedIn and leveraged that to grow my podcast, to grow my business, to grow my masterclass. And my whole career is based on my LinkedIn journey and and what I was able to leverage growing that. And so that's the real opportunity I see on LinkedIn. Not a lot of content creators. LinkedIn is prioritizing content creators and there's still lots of organic reach with the algorithm.
0: Okay. Yeah, definitely still a lot of organic reach over there. Um, and I think a lot of people just want to use their Instagram content over there uh, or wherever else they mostly create content. Just how can I repurpose it over there? How clean is that strategy and what changes would they need to make in order to do something like that?
1: That's a great question because everybody makes this mistake. They think that, you know what, I'm going to start with Instagram and just trickle out the content across everything. Then I just do it once and done. It doesn't work that way because every algorithm is different. LinkedIn is a social media platform, just like any other social media platform. And they have its own algorithm and they're prioritizing certain features and and their community likes like certain things. And so one example is that like videos perform really bad on LinkedIn. So three years ago, videos did great. And it was a feature that LinkedIn was prioritizing. LinkedIn no longer wants to compete with IG Reels, no longer wants to compete with TikTok, They're not in that game. They want to promote real conversations, value. They're trying to promote the LinkedIn editorial agenda, which is hiring, recruitment, graduation, promotions, positivity, optimism, entrepreneurship. That's the things that LinkedIn cares about in terms of what they're going to pour the gasoline on in terms of content, getting visibility and reach. And so just right away, if you're focused on IG Reels on Instagram, which is like the number one way to get any sort of organic reach on Instagram, the only way right now is mm-hmm. IG Reels, essentially. You try to take IG Reels and put it on LinkedIn, it's almost never going to work because LinkedIn is deprioritizing videos. The number one uh, host type, that you wanna use on LinkedIn is a large vertical image and a short caption or a story uh, in your caption or no no caption at all. It's really large graphics that are stopping the scroll on LinkedIn and typically they're photographs. So lifestyle photographs with a short caption or a story or a motivational quote uh, that is stopping the scroll, bright, bold, that's the type of stuff that is going well on LinkedIn. Whereas stuff that's on Instagram, IG Reels just won't, won't translate on that platform.
0: What's the max size image you can do on LinkedIn?
1: So it's a a four by five aspect ratio. Um, So if you just pop that in Canva or whatever, a four by five aspect ratio is going to take the largest amount of vertical real estate on a mobile phone. And people who are on LinkedIn, they're scrolling through about nine different posts at a time. And you want to make sure that you are stopping the scroll so people look at your content. That's why graphic is really important. People are spending dwell time on your content. That's going to boost it in the algorithm, the more time they spend on the post. And then also people are clicking to read more, taking viral actions like likes, comments, shares. That's how you're going to grow on LinkedIn. And so um, stopping the scroll is really important. And like I said, understanding the features that work and don't work on LinkedIn. I'll give you one more example. Like people are obsessed with LinkedIn newsletters. Like I have a lot of clients that like LinkedIn newsletters were hot three years ago, and they're just stuck on it. Oh, I want my newsletter to grow. I'm gonna. It's like LinkedIn is not promoting newsletters. Uh, in fact, LinkedIn deprioritizes newsletters because they know they don't it, newsletters. People read them and get off the platform because they get bored, and LinkedIn wants to keep users engaged and entertained on the platform. And they're only gonna promote content that they feel or they have the data that backs up that it's actually keeping users on the platform.
0: And what about hashtags and other little posting strategies like that? Are are there any other uh, little settings that you want to adjust in in your posts? And and tell me about hashtags too.
1: Of course. Of course. These are great questions, Derek. So the LinkedIn algorithm is really spread into four different steps. And so this is validated from engineering documentation. This is validated from me running most of the LinkedIn influencer accounts. And the first phase of the algorithm is spam filters, and LinkedIn essentially is putting your post. Uh, it's like you know machines that are basically analyzing your post into three buckets: spam, low quality, high quality. So spam is going to be uh, is basically obvious things: profanity, nudity, uh, you know, cursing, um, doing things like tagging celebrities that would never respond, uh, tagging more than twenty people, using more than five hashtags. So hashtags on LinkedIn are very different. Uh, On Instagram, you want to use 10 to 20 hashtags. On LinkedIn, you really want to only focus on three. And you typically want to put them at the bottom of your post because they essentially turn into hyperlinks that people can click off and you really want people to read until your call to action. So uh, hashtags on LinkedIn operate much differently than Instagram. So hashtags on LinkedIn, you know you should really only use three of them, whereas on Instagram you may want to use 20 hashtags. On LinkedIn, hashtags can actually work against you if you don't know how to do them right. So for example, I always recommend two branded hashtags and one broad hashtag. On LinkedIn, people are basically following hashtags. And if you follow a hashtag, you will see that content at the top of your feed. And the thing is, is that if you use lots of different broad hashtags all the time and you're not consistent using the same one over and over again, people aren't gonna recognize you in their feed and then they're not gonna engage. So what's gonna happen is that you're gonna increase your impressions and lower your engagement and then your engagement rate is gonna go down and you're actually not gonna be able to get traction on your posts. What's a better strategy is to have two branded hashtags that you want people to follow that you always use and then one or two broad industry niche related hashtags that you use over and over and over again to dominate. So for example, I always just use three hashtags. Yap, Young and Profiting, podcast. And if I'm promoting my LinkedIn marketing agency, I might do like LinkedIn. You know what I mean? And I and that's that's it. That's all I'm doing. And I'm dominating the podcast category. And that's all I care about. And, and that's a win for me, right? If you are too um, messy with your hashtags on LinkedIn, it's going to totally work against you. Um, so those are just some high level tips in terms of like how you can avoid the spam filter and to your point, like the little things that matter. The other thing that I'll say, Derek, is on LinkedIn, it's even scanning for like unobvious things. Uh, the, their machines are basically scanning for unobvious things. So, for example, big, chunky paragraphs are considered low quality posts because LinkedIn knows that on social media, people want to skim. Okay. And so that's why all the influencers that do well that you see for the most part, they're using line by line text, and they're breaking it apart. And it almost looks like poetry, right? It's just very concise, very short text. It's not big, chunky paragraphs because in mobile one or two sentences looks like a big, chunky paragraph. And so you need to make sure that you're really concise and you're not treating it like a college essay and you're treating it like social media and being skimmable. Um, Also, if you link out to an external third-party website, LinkedIn's going to deprioritize your post. So you can't link in the caption. You can only link in the comments because again, the number one rule is social media sites want to keep their users engaged and entertained on their site. They don't want them to leave. So if you promote another site, they're going to make sure nobody sees your post.
0: And what about for these uh, e-commerce businesses that we're telling to get over there too, uh, or just any business that has uh, their logo as the front of their company rather than it built on a personal brand? Should they get over there and make a page for their business and post from there or should they be building a personal uh, brand from like their own name?
1: Yeah, I would say the number one way to win on LinkedIn is to start a personal page. And so a lot of companies that do well have their CEO being the personal brand representing the company. And then they may have a company page that supports the personal branding page. But there's a lot of features that get unlocked on a personal page that feed the algorithm that company pages just simply don't have. So for example, with a company page, you are unable to DM someone on LinkedIn. And with a personal page, you're able to DM. And, you know, something that I discovered is that when you DM someone or become a invite connection for the first two weeks of that new connection, they're seeing your post at the top of your feed. So if you're unable to send out invites or DM people, you're losing that like little algorithm trick where new connections, people you DM, uh, they're going to see your content at the top of their feed. So it's like, it's really harmful. And also... The number one way to sell on LinkedIn is in the DMs. So you typically want to use your feed to go viral, grow your community, grow your followers, establish your credibility, provide value, be as shareable as possible. That's what the feed is for. You can promote educational content that indirectly represents whatever you're trying to sell or provide some sort of free value to, uh, to people who would be interested in what you want to sell. And then you should retarget them in the DMs, the strategy that I was telling you about before. Selling, click conversions, all that kind of stuff on LinkedIn really happens in the DMs. And you can't do that on a company page.
0: How important is LinkedIn Sales Navigator to your LinkedIn messaging strategy?
1: Not important at all. The only thing that I recommend for LinkedIn Sales Navigator, there's a few things. Number one, uh, it's really important to clean up your first connections on LinkedIn. You want to make sure that you don't have dead inactive connections. A lot of people go on LinkedIn, they log on, they never come back, like they get a job and then they never come back on, Right. Um, There's also a lot of people who don't engage on LinkedIn and you really want people who take viral actions so you can go viral. So that's likes, comments, shares, and stuff like that. So you can use LinkedIn Navigator to see who has logged on in the last 30 days and been active on LinkedIn. And then you would want to remove anybody who has not been active in 30 days. So you can basically use LinkedIn Navigator as like a hack to filter out people who are inactive so you can remove them as a first connections and then increase your engagement rate over time. So that's number one. Uh, So I typically recommend like, hey, you need LinkedIn Navigator for like a month, clean up your followers and then don't make the same mistakes again in terms of- And it's free for a month, right? I think it's $75 for the first month uh, or something around that. It could, maybe there's some promotion where it's free for a month. Um,
0: Okay.
1: I think, or it's like $75 and then you can cancel. The other thing is that there are certain search filters. The main one that's like unique for LinkedIn Sales Navigator is you can get annual company revenue. So if you really want to target companies that are making a certain amount of year or have a certain amount of employees, uh, there's certain search filters that are available on LinkedIn Navigator that aren't available to the public. But in my masterclass, I basically teach you everything you need to know and you don't need to pay for Sales Navigator, essentially.
0: So uh, tell me more about the masterclass. What's some of the uh, main material covered in it?
1: Yeah. So it's a two-day class and it's essentially 10 hours of work. I take what I've learned over five years uh, growing my own influencer account. I have over 223,000 followers on LinkedIn now, and I manage most of the LinkedIn influencers. Some of my clients have over a million followers and they go even more viral than me. And I basically took everything I learned in five years and what I trained my team and turn it into a two-day workshop. And the reason why I sort of alluded to this earlier is that like, I don't necessarily want to do my social media agency forever. I feel like it's really white glove. Not a lot of people can afford it. It's really talent heavy. It takes up a lot of my time. I want a more scalable thing. And the masterclass, I basically am taking on my learner, learning so I can teach people to fish and I don't have to fish for them, okay? And so now I'm basically pushing anybody who wants social media services, I'm like, maybe just send your team to my masterclass. And I'll just teach you guys how to do it, right? Uh, so essentially, it's a two-day course. We go over developing your personal brand. So at the end of the course, you walk away with a visual and voice identity, Uh, we we go over personal branding in terms of your voice identity in a lot of detail because it's actually way more important than visual identity on LinkedIn. And so we're going over things and having exercises where we go over your values and you establish your values. We go over your audience. We go over your personality type, the impact you want to make, your delivery methods. And I basically walk you through how to develop a brand persona, a personal branding statement, a tagline, all that kind of stuff. So you can have your voice identity established. Then we go into the Psychology of design. And I started my career as a graphic designer, as a video editor. I, I've had literally every role in marketing, which is also probably why my podcast crushed uh, because I was such a good marketer as well. Not the best podcast host in the world, but really good marketer. And so um, I teach everything I know about the psychology of design, uh, especially related to LinkedIn, right? Talking about uh, how like what you should know about your graphics, what you should know about your photographs, uh, the rule of magic seven, and all these different like things that you need to know about uh, design. And really you just need to know 20% to to get 100% of the results. So we go over the psychology of design. We go over copywriting. I teach you guys how to copyright, show all of my copywriting viral hacks um, and go over that in detail. Uh, We go over the LinkedIn algorithm. All the four steps in a lot of detail engagement hacks and then sales strategy and language for for closing sales on linkedin so it's really an all-encompassing course you can walk away uh having zero followers on linkedin and then walk out knowing 99.9 percent more than anybody else about the platform and then i have a mastermind that is available to everyone so basically you take the two-day course You join the mastermind. We have twice monthly office hours and everybody's in a WhatsApp group. And essentially I have a pod and now almost hundred people are in it and everyone is engaging and supporting everyone's posts and providing feedback. And we're growing a really, really amazing community. So, um, basically give you the, the playbook on LinkedIn. And I, I am confident when I say I have the number one LinkedIn class right now. There's nobody else that even goes close to the value that I bring with this class and the information you'll get and the results, uh, I'm literally creating influencers. I already have like probably 20 students that are like going viral and becoming like influencers on LinkedIn already because they've just applied what I taught them.
0: This sounds great and all, but there's one problem and that is that my audience doesn't pay full price for stuff, Hala. So what can we do for them?
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to create a special code called Derek. Derek. And I'm going to give everybody 40% off. I originally said 30% off or 35% off to you offline, but I'm going to do, go ahead and do 40. That is by far the highest discount that we give out. And that's the discount that we give our cohort members who took the class to give to their friends. So I'm going to do Derek for 40% off. Uh, The next class is February 22nd and the 23rd, but then we do it every month. So I'll, I'll probably keep that active for two months, just in case you're listening to this in a few weeks.
0: Okay, deal. So yeah, you heard her guys. You just have to review my podcast and then use code Derek and then you can get the 40% off. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be great. LinkedIn masterclass. That's really how to get into it because I mean, we went over as many things as we can in just a short podcast interview, but if you really want to take it seriously, uh, this is how you're going to see all the examples and get the hands-on help you need to really create, uh, your personal brand, because that's, uh, what you're really trying to do on LinkedIn. Like she said, you can't really just post from your company. You're really trying to grow your personal brand. And just as she's been able to leverage the unique things about her personality, uh, that's what you really have to be able to do as well. Uh, yeah. So go check it out. There's a lot of organic reach over there on, like, on Instagram, uh, apart from the Reels game.
1: I agree. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a freelancer, the game is, if you're a coach, like the game is on LinkedIn. And if you're on Instagram, you are just competing with too much And there's too much noise. It's really hard to grow. There's so much opportunity left on LinkedIn. Uh, The one thing we didn't mention is the website. So it's yapmedia.io slash course. And again, you can use code Derek for 40% off. If you go to that website, you're going to see tons of testimonials, um, like maybe 30 video testimonials, written testimonials of all the people who have taken the class and found immense value from it.
0: You got the .io going, huh?
1: You know what? Yapmedia.com was taken and I was so upset and it wasn't even available for sale. So it's yapmedia.io slash course.
0: So you've had the .io for five years now?
1: Well, I have younginprofiting.com and then Yap Media. Got it. Was somehow taken, yeah.
0: Okay, nice. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Holla. This has been uh, really great.
1: Yeah, Derek, always a pleasure. Always happy to come on whenever you ask me. Thanks for doing such a great job. Thank <laughs>